0: Okay, welcome to the Matt. Oh, I almost said the magic yogi podcast. Okay. Welcome hey. to <laughs> welcome to nobody's news podcast. This is Dylan and I'm here with Will and I'd like to uh, thank you for tuning into the inaugural episode of our new podcast here. That's the companion podcast to nobody's kind of a slow news focused uh center for independent journalism uh speculation on the nobody um talk about esoteric uh, topics uh we also feature art and different things on there but uh i'm the uh editor and creator of the site <clears throat> i kind of my inspiration for it was just to give people who might not otherwise get the chance uh, give people an audience and a platform to promote either writing or articles or pieces of art or their own voices through the podcast Uh, let me introduce my co-host here for the night will you want to say something about what we're doing here
1: good evening um i just first want to thank you for making it possible and uh taking the time to uh, recognize something that needed to be addressed and being able to provide uh, the means in which to go forward with that notion and that idea so that we can at least have a real discussion about where we can start because until then not even allowed to talk about it it's never going to be fixed so I'm just honored to be here.
0: Some of the kind of, um, when, when we, when there's something like a podcast, if it's going to be something that's intentional and, you know, something that we're not doing just for profit or for popularity's sake, there has to really be a central reason, a theme about what we're doing. And, to me, I this is going to sound corny. I don't want, I, you know, the podcast, I don't want it to be, you know, it's this isn't a really grave thing, but I'm going to sound corny, but it's about, you know, um, hope and looking for freedom in life and helping right. other people to achieve our own potential, whatever that looks like, and being uh, kind of an honest voice, Commentating on what we see and experience in the world, you know, a voice of clarity, whoever it is talking on the podcast, whether it's me or anyone else that we have on, that's always just my intention that it's just going to be a human voice commenting on what we see and what we're hearing, what we're experiencing, what we know about. I mean, yeah, we go. We'll go into speculation on things, and you know, we'll have uh, discussions just on our own opinions about things. But ultimately, ultimately, it's grounded in reality. And whether there's right. a reality behind the nobody and all the the speculation around that doesn't really matter. What matters is that everyone who's either heard about the nobody or anyone who's listened to our podcast before or is in our circles, we all have, I think, similar uh, tastes when it comes to uh, media we consume. I think most of the people in our circles at least have good bullshit detectors. We don't like being lied to. We like looking deeper into subjects beyond just uh, the popular consensus about things,
1: Or the paid propaganda that surrounds it, just to disparage any real discussion from being heard. I think that that is the foremost objective, you know, just being able to sift through the propaganda to understand that we can read between the lines if we can really take our time and absorb both sides to realize that. The reason why we're only hearing both sides in the first place is because there's money behind each, and one's telling one side of the story, and there's always that cushy middle. And there's a bunch of nobodies in the middle that just, we know that both sides are playing a game. And uh, to me, understanding that it's a concerted effort that has been highly highly researched with trillions spent and... Here we have these anomalies that are nobodies that have been able to not only read between the lines, but create a dynamic that has made it impossible for them to combat because we don't seek any type of notoriety. We don't want to be able to, you know, we don't want to be able to profit off of this. And we want to be able to have people that know their voice has been silenced to give them a platform because that's essentially what we have the ability to do is to be able to stand up and speak out for those that can no longer speak for themselves. And, you know, just like you and I both discussed before how, you know, we are just nobodies with a family, you know, that have been able to be blessed with the wisdom to foresee that our entire reality is being scripted and that we have to, take a step back and ask why and more importantly how and if not now when and if not us who right Mm
0: -hmm. and uh Um, that i think that leads into one of the little notes that i jotted down here is there's a concept that i heard about through uh reading old yogic books like you know the bhagavad gita specifically that one there's a there's a idea of actions without considering the fruits or labor without considering the fruits of this idea of um doing things in the world without giving consideration to what the outcome's going to be and not in a i'm not talking about reckless actions as in doing things without thinking of the consequence but putting effort into change in an intentional way without being attached to whether it's going to work out or not. <clears throat> right. And, I agree. and this is something <clears throat> that, uh, even apart from a spiritual sense in creative endeavors, that's been an idea that's kind of saved my sanity for a long time, because for most of my life, I've done creative things and I, I've never really tried to make a living as a creative person. You know, I've always worked jobs and kind of done things on the side, but just in terms of, um, you know, feedback and reaching people, I've always tried to detach myself from, You know, how many people are looking at what I'm doing? You know, do people care? Is it making an impact? To me, those ideas have nothing to do with the person who's creating things, whether it's art or someone like a journalist who's putting in effort into spreading awareness about things or uh, someone who um, even does things like volunteers in their local community thinking about what the impact is going to be thinking about whether you're making a difference to me, that's over intellectualizing life. That's putting an extra layer of complexity where there doesn't have to be one.
1: Precisely.
0: Yeah.
1: And I, I, uh, I think there's something to be said about having the wherewithal to understand where, not in kansas anymore and um for me you know i've had numerous uh, instances where i've taken things that were of a personal nature to me and, and have applied it you know to a to a scale that i feel others have now been in a situation where they feel affected in a way that you know that something's not right with the world and that where we're at now is not the way we need to be going. Um, and that in doing so, you know, continuing forward, you know, I want us to be the I want us to be that flag in the mast during the storm, you know, charging into the storm, not way, not running from it. You know, and I want us to be the ones that <laughs> set that flag forward. You know, and planted that flag on this hill, this day, right here, right now, for others to understand that they're not alone and that not only are they not alone, but that we are here as a means for those people to make things pop.
0: Hello, testing.
1: Testing one two uh, I one got, two. I got
0: completely shut down. My Wi-Fi, my internet, my whole network got taken offline <laughs> right in the well, middle. Well, that
1: was rather prescient, wasn't it? Right
0: in the middle of your great speech. We're still recording. Like my recorder still going, but yeah, I got completely taken. <laughs> I was
1: like, did I? I was like, did I get hacked oh God, or did Discord
0: man. just block me? You what know, happened? That I mean. I'm out in the middle of nowhere, but during podcasts, that's never happened. I've done 50 podcasts over Discord, and I've never been kicked out during a podcast ever. Yeah. But yeah, that's never happened before. That's, That's so weird. I don't know. They just
1: did it again to me. Did yeah. It just happened to you?
0: Yeah, it just happened to me too. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're gonna have to get used to it. I mean that, but see that's uh, why
1: brother, you're nice.
0: but see that's that's one of the reasons why I do do the podcast the way I do with the recorder and not trying to live stream it because but I want this is
1: gold. This actually proves even more. This is gold. We ain't cutting this out. This yep. is actually again and this is so intricate. In what, like I said, uh, in what we have to accomplish, that this will be, this is going to be finicky. Like, we're going to have to be very cognizant of what we say, how we say it, and why we say it. And again, like I said, because there are powers that be that control the levers of this. Super highway we know is the interwebs mm. and uh, and they are not only in control, but again, as you can see, they will flex when they can and they will. And I've had it happen mm. and uh, and it's something that like I said, that's why I want to protect you, just understanding that I know what these people are capable of. I've worked for the government, mm. and I can tell you that they have no inclinations whatsoever to ruin your life and they will they will not only, mm. Enjoy it, but they will make it their personal pastime. And these people have nothing better to do than literally destroy lives because that's what they do. And there's something to be said about what just happened. And um, and again, I uh, I can promise brother that if it happens again, that uh, you know there is things that are put into place that we can combat it. Um, just understand that I can guarantee. Um, those that would be typically responsible for something like this, um, you and I um, have already put ourselves out there and in multiple ways before this, and mm-hmm. we are just now taking this to that next step to let them know that, you know, like I said, we are in a in an arena. That is their battle space. That's their battlefield. The government invented the Internet, and we are on their battlefield. Mm-hmm. That's no shit. And we have to remember that. All right? yeah, we, are swinging, we are swimming amongst sharks. sharks we, excuse me. We are swimming, swimming, swinging. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, I'm done.
0: We're on their stage. We are
1: swimming, <laughs> right. we are swimming amongst sharks. And we are but mere guppies in this vast ocean we call life. And there's no joke to that. And, again, the Internet is their battle space. Again, we are in their territory. And uh, and I know this better than anyone. So back to the censorship, you know, that is something that, you know, the irony that we were segueing from one to the other, starting to talk about both, and then, boom, we literally get silenced. What's the chances?
0: Yeah, I I generally so. I generally don't don't edit the podcast anyways, but like I was saying, that's why eventually I do want to have a live streaming version of the podcast. I think Definitely. what what we'll do is, you know, we'll do the podcast, but there will be some uh versions that we'll do live. But yeah, that's the reason why I do that is because there was other podcasts where I would get uh taken down and I wanted to record that. And so that's why the recorder just keeps going. It just takes in whatever's coming in from the computer. Gotcha.
1: Yeah, I uh, took the um, precaution of uh, adding a friend to the chat just so that he can, like I said, uh, look at uh, some of uh, the fans that we will eventually acquire over time, and he will be able to, like I said, uh, he'll be able to combat any bot attacks that will happen, because it's going to happen, and the website's going to get attacked, it's not a matter of if, but when, and uh, to me, understanding, you know, from firsthand experience of what they are absolutely capable of, again, me being... Uh, In the situation where I'm at right now, you know, I kind of try to insulate myself from these things, just being, you know, on the front lines of this every day Mm -hmm. and to be able to take the steps necessary to protect, you know, those that are going to be involved in this so that they understand that we not only have their back, but that, again, you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. And that's the way it's going to, like I said, and that's the way it's going to have to be handled, unfortunately, because, again... You know this is, this is a a monstrosity that has been in the making for decades. As you know, they are highly trained and uh, surgical in their application when it comes to this uh, particular wheelhouse uh, for their skills, for their skill set. And again, we are just but amateurs against you know a trillion dollar propaganda campaign that we have managed to put a dent in against all odds in a way that has made them take notice. And for you to recognize that and to see the perseverance of all of us that continue to post anomaly threads and nobody threads and just going with the flow of that censorship where people don't even understand that the nobody and the anomaly had to be a transitional Uh, you know uh, non de plume that was being published under because of the censorship of the nobody name where you could not even write the word nobody you know in various platforms without either getting shadow banned or and now it's even so much more worse that uh, I can't even imagine what you know you had to experience on GOP I know you took screenshots of some of the Anomaly and no, you know, nobody posts that you would see, mm-hmm. and uh, the nobody threads that would delete, you know, get deleted. And mm-hmm. I did the same thing. I do. I, I, I have so many screenshots of just, just nobody threads and anomaly threads. Where as soon as you put the two together, forget about it. That thread's gone. It is mm-hmm. just gone. You cannot. And and they know this though. And that is the significance of that MS DOS nineties looking website. Is people don't get that there are power that be that have control of that you know, particular uh, uh, endeavor and that it's something we are in direct competition of now, and I recognize that, and that's my key to all of this is that we have allies on the inside, I can guarantee you. There are people now that are moderators, staff, that not only see what we've been trying to accomplish, but now have turn those assets that were normally against us and have weaponized them on a whole nother scale to where, again, like I said, the nobody anomaly phenomenon is real. It is so prevalent now in social media that you, you can see anyone that has tried to has tried to go forward with anything of substance against the narrative, they instantly get shadow banned. Or you see mm-hmm. anything that's of substance that you would know that would go viral. And you wonder to yourself, like me, knowing just some of the things that I've reposted of other people, you know. and I'm like, how come this hasn't gone viral? And there has to be concerted network that's going against it, where, again, you can't even say specific things, you can't write specific things without, again, losing a podcast, just like we just lost right now.
0: Hmm. So, uh, I want to just give a little bit of, uh, my experience with godlike because it's, um, I don't know if our listeners are aware of it, but you know, it's a pretty popular, uh, site for conspiracy type people. But originally I, I've been, I started going on the site probably around 2060. Uh, oh, no, what am I saying? 2006. Cause it was when I was in high school probably around um, there. So, I mean, I, I got to see GLP when it was what it, you know, what the original site was. And it was it was a right. great site because back then it felt like you found this place where people, it, you know, it sounds kind of funny to say now, but it was a place where people could freely talk about really wild topics. Like it was, you know, that's why they used to have the, one of the themes of the site was lunatic fringe. They used to have exactly. that in the in the banner of the site, and they eventually took that out a little while ago because they had to co- they had to switch their focus so much that they took out yeah. the words "lunatic fringe." And it's funny because what like what and when when I think about what's so bad about "lunatic fringe," I mean, when I was younger, uh, "lunatic fringe" just was a cool song, you know. "Lunatic fringe," I know you're out there, <laughs> you know. It was like. It was about rebels. It was about being a rebel, being a free thinker. It didn't mean like I, nowadays yeah. you talk about that. It means oh, flat earth. It means you're a Nazi. It means you're a racist. You know, lunatic fringe but has that's how a it's been re-branded? it has a connotation of being uh, you're the worst kind of person. Whereas when I was younger, I still I always whenever I get uh, get uh, kind of. Um, When I reminisce about the old days, that's one of the things I always talk about is that I remember when, you know, being like a Native American used to mean that you were anti-government, that you were all about freedom of the individual, that you were about uh, fighting against every uh, modern shackle chaining the human spirit down. That used to be a big part of what people thought Native people were. And I know this might really rub people the wrong way, but it seems to me that the popular uh, bent of most native people in media is to be friends with the government, to be uh, servants of a global order, servants of every single new popular whim that comes out of the World Economic Forum and all these globalist think tanks somehow native people the our highest achievement is being lap dogs for elitists. And our like the the most respected positions are being what they call like community organizers and these liaisons between federal governments and international Right.
1: Well come on, Dylan. Come on, Dylan, you're not being a good globalist. <laughs> How come you haven't taken advantage of the tax breaks and created a casino on your land so you can employ your people so you can be good little tax slaves? Come on, Dylan. Mm. Come on. We just want to put a 5G tower on your reservation, and then we're going to put 20 more. And then we want to put, uh, you know, like I said, and, and it will never end, like I said, and it'll to, uh, it you will know, continue to go forward with that. And incrementally no matter what you know you saw this encroachment and unfortunately it's going to continue on i didn't mean that you know sidetrack you on all of that but my point being to you is that you i know you've had the opportunity to sell out in ways that you would never do and that instead you have again reciprocated um that energy back to the earth and by taking care of that earth and cultivating it and bringing You know, life to something that is, like I said, being genetically modified to where, you know, if, you know, my crops blow onto your land, I can sue you. And this is the Monsanto scheme behind all of that. And just, you know, the the things that only you and I would understand being from a rural agricultural background, being in the military, just getting that entire, you know, that entire Um, monstrosity that is Monsanto and understanding that they control every aspect of our life in ways that, you know, back to the, you know, W E F, you know, literally everything that is taking place right now is a stranglehold to maximize possession of natural resources and commodities that we need to sustain life. And then they're going to commercialize it on a whole nother scale to where, like I said, we won't even be, we're not even, you know, at, at a point where we could start growing our own food in a, in a manner that would be separate of Monsanto's, you know, GMO seeding and, you know, the uh, the fertilizer that they uh, are selling, you know, at, or, I'm sorry, the pesticide they're selling as fertilizer. I said that backwards, hmm. you know, and uh and so, you know, like I said, uh, you know, for you, that's where I wanted to to come back and make it a point so that you can touch on it just with everything else that you have been dealing with, because I know how busy you are that, you know, again, I want I want to make it a point to our audience so that they understand that you are a man of your word and that, again, you live in a way that is not only true to your heritage, but again, You're putting your money where your mouth is, and you know doing the dirty work that most people, again, and and I hate to say it, you know, farmers are the salt of the earth, and you know, cattle ranchers are the salt of the earth. But you know, when it comes to having to feed your family, these guys have to sell out because they've been pigeonholed and legislated into a corner where they have no choice. They have no choice whatsoever, and and it's by design. It's again, it's an organized campaign. And you are one of the few that has refused to sell out. And again, nobody else knows this. So I'm the only one that will ever, ever make it a point now. So that, again, this needs to be lauded on your behalf because, like I said, you're the real deal. And that's why I'm even here right now, again, because, like I said, I see honor and integrity. Not only honor and integrity, but like I said, I, I see a man that realizes, you know, that we are literally the last vestiges of hope for society to be able to maintain you know where we are right now and you know and and again if we don't do it nobody else will so with that being said please you know I didn't mean to cut you off, please. I saw you wrote wrote some things down. Yeah, because take
0: it. Yeah. You know, see, yeah, take I'm, it home. I'm I'm totally okay with us going on tangents. That's why if you see me making notes, mm-hmm. I just can kinda see the branches that we're making. And uh right. so I want to go through the kind of touch on the things that you were talking about. Uh first, uh, I don't I nowadays in the podcast I don't really talk about myself too much, but I just want to give a little background about Kind of what Will was um, alluding to is, um, I I grew up on a ranch and a farm. I, I grew up mainly on a ranch when I was kind of in my first ten years of life. I you know experienced being at brandings and you know just all the the in the whole everything that all the traumatic things that go along with being a tiny child in a ranching family. You know, I I no it was it's something that I don't talk about a lot because honestly it wasn't a good experience. I I'm not a really a horse. I'm not a horse person these days. You know, my, I have a family member that barrel races and has horses, but me myself, I'm mainly a hunter and just a caretaker of the farm here. But, uh, so I, I grew up on a ranch and then, uh, when I was older, I spent most of my life on our family farm that we, would contract out to different people that we knew to farm and so I just I spent my whole life being just outside most of the time and uh, doing things that are about producing food or being just being connected to the land in general and I never really realized how lucky I was to have those experiences until I got into my 20s and went to university and uh, had different jobs in cities and things, and talked to people and realized that my experiences were pretty rare in the cities in like in major you know centers you know i I didn't realize you know i this sounds naive, but I didn't realize how many people live without being having space to do anything <laughs> like how many people are okay being right. Being in cells, being in apartments, having tiny patches, and I know it's this. I know I'm going to have some kind of comment saying, "Oh, you know, this sounds like some kind of elitist, but thing." But no, I mean, my family wasn't rich by any means. It was just that uh, we're Native American, and we own our ancestral lands. We own pieces of land that was handed down from. Ever like when the reserve uh native american reserves were first established they were uh you know the other than the town sites that were established the the prairies and the farmlands were divided up between the different families at the time and when the reserves were first established These plots of lands were huge. There was, you know, singular people that owned enormous plots of land because, you know, there was just on agreements about, okay, this is our area and this is your area. And then down the line, once those were established in kind of a rigid, you know, new European system of land ownership, they got further divided down with each generation, you know, so they're like, for wow. for example, like in my family here, um, there was my my great grandfather who had a really huge piece of land that was really nice that was along a river, and his when he he had four sons and so he divided up his land in four quarters, and so even though to me it seems like uh it we have a lot of land it's it's only a quarter of what was originally in, of that family and yeah. and because of because of the way that uh the families around here have um I hate to say it but slowly been less close and more divided these pieces of land are essentially separate there's the, the families are so divided that we don't even there's relatives we don't even know anymore and we kind of have fractured into these little fiefdoms and so uh yeah that's kind of uh where i'm at i have my little patch that i'm responsible for to make sure that it never gets sold that it doesn't get encroached upon that um it's responsibly farmed and you know, not over hunted or, you know, developed or anything like that.
1: No pipelines going through it. Yeah,
0: no pipelines. I need I, the most we ain't,
1: we ain't talking about that. I know we won't <laughs> talk about that on this podcast, but yeah, like I said, brother, I'm, I'm with you and, uh, you know, to understand, you know, the mechanics behind, you know, the systems that be and, you know, you, you, like I said, you have taken it upon yourself to stand up and lead by example instead of selling out. And again, I commend you for that. And you have someone that will have your back for life because, again, that is a virtue that you cannot buy, as a virtue you cannot teach, and as a virtue that, again, we can only aspire to ever replicate in your honor because I can promise you, that lesser men have sold out for way more all right and you know like i said for you uh like i said or i'm sorry w- way less lesser men have sold out for <laughs> way less my boy or greater men you know what i meant yeah right, the moral right. of the story is, is that you're the man and uh and like i said my hats my hats off to you just because you know in this day and age it's it's something that uh he doesn't get addressed enough. And for those that do actually stand up and lead by example, you know i I only pray that their courage becomes as contagious as yours, brother.
0: Well, uh, thank you. I'm not good at taking compliments, but I really appreciate. <laughs> I really appreciate you with your with your words about what I'm doing. Uh, I wrote something down earlier when you were talking about that about um, selling out. I, you know, there was uh, years ago when I did the last podcast I did, which was called the Magic Yogi Podcast. Uh, there was times yeah. where I, I accepted paid guests that that were on that um, were either on to like promote a book or something like that, and mm-hmm. and but then now when I started doing what I'm doing now, um, I got an email a couple of weeks ago um, from someone's assistant. And, uh, so I, you know, I, I just took a look at it and it was from an actor, uh, not like a really famous guy, but he was someone who started a health and some kind of health and wellness company helping, uh, baldness, (laughs) you know, like, you know, tonics and things for baldness and men. And so I was reading the proposal about him being That as, was me.
1: Look, it works great. You see? Look how good it works. It was me actually. And I, I, I'm a I'm I'm doing a viral um pirate uh, a commercial right now. It was actually me and I'm promoting my product and as you can see it's outstanding. Sorry, keep going.
0: So I, I read through the proposal and uh, you know I considered it because, you know, the person said um, you know, they would be willing to share the website nobody's news and the podcast on their social media and such like that and so for a while i was kind of thinking about it but i eventually just didn't do it because i knew that the way that i'm that the way that i want to do this podcast that just doesn't work because i can't i'm never i'm never going to do anything where i'm not upfront about what's going on with the show and i also would never want to do a show where i'm saying Hey, you know, this guy's only on here because he's an actor and because he has a big, (laughs) uh, a big following and he, and they're willing to give me a little bit of money for him to talk about his company that he started. I just can't do it because that's not what this show is. Like everything we talked about at the start, it just doesn't work with that. And, and so, um, Uh, Yeah, so if I ever get anything like that, again, there's not really anything anyone can do to get on the show. The only people that are going to be guests are people that are coming through the Discord. So, and even with that, I mean, I'm open and I don't, I'm not really exclusionary, but we have to curate things a little bit, you know.
1: Definitely otherwise I'll be talking for two and a half hours about that one time in Baghdad (laughs) and we can't have that. I get that. I get it.
0: Uh, So so back
1: to that story actually, (laughs) but seriously, I I wanted to um, also make it a point with you just because again, with everyone, you know, understanding how this inception even started, you know, and how long you've been working on it and, you know, and, most of them don't have the privilege of understanding how you wanted to publish a newspaper, why you wanted to publish a newspaper, what it, what it takes to publish a newspaper in 2022, (laughs) 2023, you know, and uh, you know, so actually that was 2021 actually, now that I think about it Mm -hmm. Um, and just understanding, you know, from that basic premise, you know, that we are, you know, now in the early stages of manifesting something that, you know, you know, back to your point earlier with the topics you wanted to talk about manifestations, real and, uh, you know, for you in your line of work and your expertise in these areas and understanding that, you know, energy harvesting is a thing, you know, and that, uh, you know, we all possess these abilities that, you know, that none of us could ever comprehend that we have, you know, but you being you know, uh, a yogi master, you know, you've been able to slow down time in a way that again, you know, most can't even appreciate in this daily hustle and bustle, you know, of the the rat race. So uh, back to that manifestation, I know you wanted to talk about that. Can you please tell me um, in no uncertain terms, and for those of us who are novice, how meditation can literally save your life. Because me and you talked about this before. And being able to calm your mind down and calm your body down to match your mind is essential. And being able to control your emotions and being able to overcome some of these obstacles we're all going to have to go through. And so just to pay homage to the Magic Yogi podcast on this first <laughs> Edition of Nobody's News. Please enlighten us on something that, again, I believe is going to be crucial in the days ahead and mm-hmm. months ahead uh, in doing um, in doing what no one said we could, what nobody said we could do. And uh, so, please uh, tell us about the Magic Yogi podcast because I don't think anyone. Uh, uh, that's new. Will have any light, you know, or have any knowledge of this? And uh, it's something you dedicated your life to. So I want you to talk about that, please. If you could.
0: Yeah i I've um I guess I've had a lot of practice about introducing these kind of ideas to people for the first time. So, um, like essentially, whenever, okay i'll I'll start off with a little bit of a story. Uh, I took kind of regular Western yoga teacher training when I was around 26, but at the time I had already been doing meditation since I was around 12 or 13 years old. And so I had been kind of, you know, experimenting with different modalities and styles of uh, meditation and energy work until I, in my mid twenties, I digged did yoga teacher training because I kind of stumbled upon, you know, techniques and meditation systems that I found were really effective and practical and rational, I guess is a, as a weird way to put it. And
1: no, yeah.
0: yeah. And so during, so during my uh, yoga teacher training where I got, you know, this certification where if I wanted to, I could, you know, start a business without any issues, uh, I, I, I made friends with one of the students and we went out for, uh, for dinner afterwards and on our, while we were having supper, we were talking about yoga and I, I had already been, you know, obsessed with yoga and meditation. And, um, and after a while of me ranting about my ideas, they said, wait a second. So what is Yoga. So this is a person who's in, who's almost done with yoga teacher training, supposedly. I I don't mean to insult the person. It's not their fault. They were just, they were in it because it was something where they could teach people stretching and breathing exercises and, you know, simple meditation techniques. But when I started telling them about what I, my ideas about it, they kind of realized they didn't know what it was. And the simplest way I can explain it is it's self-knowledge. That's what it's about. It's about ways of understanding what the self is and being able to experience what the self is. And through that comes all sorts of things. And the reason why meditation, uh, breathing exercises, um, energy work, physical exercise why all those things are a part of it is because everything that goes on in your conscious life is based off of vibrations, thoughts, your emotions, just perceiving things. That's all it is. The opposite of that is stillness is some kind of a a state of um, just uh, not nothingness, but just the other state of what creation is made out of other than what you see and so the way to experience that firsthand is to be able to calm down these different systems that you have going on with you and being able supposedly in theory and something that I've experienced that is something that you can experience firsthand is what the self is apart from those vibrations.
1: Definitely. Zen, was it achieving Zen-like state? I believe, or Zen-like consciousness, how does
0: it go? Yeah, just essentially, yeah, what what your consciousness is without the, you know, individuation of ego and, you know, the influence of, uh, you know, the emotions and uh, perceptions and your sense of uh, structure or uh, mental conditioning is one of the main words used. Right?
1: Definitely, and in in a day and age where we are bombarded now with subliminal messages and you know uh, propaganda on a level that we don't even perceive as propaganda anymore. We don't have the ability to perceive it because they have become so proficient. In masquerading this entire thing that you don't, you don't get to take a step back and process anything because you're so bombarded with all of this that taking that 10, 15, 20 minutes a day to just get control of your own pace, of your own mind to where, again, it allows you to combat those things to where you don't feel overwhelmed, one, but then two, you can process it that much more quicker by just realizing that, well, yeah, that's probably bullshit, somebody paid for it. Yep, that's probably bullshit, somebody paid for that. That was definitely bought and paid for you know, and to understand where social media, you know, is, is where people look at news now, we can take and exploit that in a way where like i said i could see like i said that's why i brought up the magic yogi podcast because i don't see it going away i see it now being condensed into you know little tiktok you know increments Mm -hmm. where you i could see you coming on and going okay i'd like you to just take a step back don't scroll just breathe with me just breathe for 15 seconds realize that what you probably just heard in the talk before was bought and paid for, and the talk after this is probably bought and paid for, and I just want you to breathe and realize that you are you for a reason, you know, and, and just to get people to understand that, you know, this is something that has been carefully crafted to take advantage of our children, and if they, they can do this to an adult like you and I, imagine how easy it is for you know them to literally take your children's psyche hostage in a way that you'll never be able to get it back again. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Sorry. I, it's just, that's I, It was so important because after you had started talking to me about these things, you know, it, it really made sense to me where, you know, whether you look at meditation as meditation or just the simple act of praying in and of itself is a form of meditation that people don't even grasp yeah. and that you are supposed to take that time out for yourself and for your relationship with yourself and that, you know, that voice in your head that, you know, I hope that we all have. And, uh, and if you hear more than one, then, you know, we need to talk about that because there should only be one. <sighs> but, but the point is is that, no, seriously, you know, like I said, when, when you told me about meditation being something that I would need to incorporate in my life in order to be able to, you know, really take it to the next level. You were right. It really did. I disconnected from everything. And uh, and in doing so, it really changed how I looked at every perceivable influence over my life, whether it was digital, you know, it did not matter. You know, it was allowing me to actually take focus and reestablish the priorities in my life. And again, you know, that's why I wanted to bring up that point, you know, with the meditation aspect when it comes to praying that, you know, we have an audience here that understands these concepts. They've already been around them their entire lives, but they never had a real practical application in that same sense mm-hmm. until, like I said, you actually explained it to me on all another level. And I'm like, yeah, that, uh, that definitely would make sense if, uh, especially if, like I said, If someone was so inundated with their family and being told, you know, that this person learned this and this person saw that and that person sending you this and you're, you know, you've been tagged on Facebook with that. And, you know, and next thing you know, you're hearing 10 different opinions about something, you know, and and here we are, you know, uh, in a in a day and age where you like you said, we're we're trying to we're trying to assemble a team of human bullshit detectors so that we can, like I said, muddle through this orchestrated script that is designed to take you away from your inner self and figuring out who you really are. Hmm. So I'm sorry, keep going.
0: But yeah, that, <clears throat> that's the thing too, is, you know, I, I grew up with most of my family either being um, Catholic or involved in our traditional Native American ways. And so... Okay. Uh, I was pretty lucky that I um, grew up with uh, my families being pretty involved with, you know, either uh, traditional native practices or at the very least like people that wanted to go to church, you know, at Christmas and things like that. And so even right. though when I was younger, I might not have understood it as much as I did at, later on. But, you know, when in yogic teachings, you um, Rituals and practices like prayer and religious services are just a part of the overall system of working towards that self-awareness and that connection to whatever is the opposite of the the worldly experiences. Like I, I I, I could, I can kind of remember being, say, in church in on like christmas eve and thinking like well you know i'm not i'm not really i don't uh, necessarily subscribe to everything about this partic- particular tradition but the experience is putting me in the state of being more receptive to whatever is a people could call a divine influence or at least uh, an awareness of what's in life being above our, you know, worldly, material, emotional, mental self.
1: Right. Those frequencies, that vibration that you speak of, that we all emit, that we all are perceptive to, and, you know, and the understanding that that's not by chance, it's not a coincidence, that that has to be by design, and that whether that intelligent design is one God or if it is multiple entities Again, we are not programmed in a manner to not only not understand that, but, again, we are instruments and vehicles of that higher vibrational frequency that we can all achieve, you know, and and to be able to put it into words, you know, I think things get lost in translation where, you know, it's it's always that my God's better than your God, you know, and it's like, well, who says it's even a God, you know, like, can we even give it a a comparison in that same sense when, you know, when thousands of years have proven that, you know, what one name means now, you know, in comparison to, you know, what it was understood as a thousand years ago, you know, it's something to be said here, you know, in, in this day and age that there are still people that get that we are all connected on a, on a, on a level that cannot be explained and that those that deny that don't get to experience the you know the the gifts that result from that and that like i said here we are in 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 a way you know trying to just expound upon that to give that you know that ideology to other people to just grasp that you know there's more to it than just us but that it's about us you know and that together for you and I to make something like this happen, you know, that we are essentially carrying on that same process and making uh, I, I can't remember how they, they call it louche or uh, uh, there's a manufacturing louche or energy that you know whatever you want to call your aura in that, uh, you know, in doing so that just by talking about it and getting people to actually entertain the idea that you know, that all of these things are connected in a way that we're not meant to understand yet, but that we have to appreciate it, and respect it, you know, and and the only way to do that, you know, from the way that I've been able to personally uh, experience it is through meditation. And so please, can you tell me what you, when it comes to meditation, like you said, you, you were talking about in theory, but I want you to go into what your personal experiences were with meditation and how that allowed you. You know, like because that's the thing is that I'm not going to say you're going to levitate off the ground and a tree, achieve enlightenment. You know, and be able to uh, you know float. But again, I know you experience things very similar. So please tell me because I really you know please please tell us because I I really want you to expound upon some of these things that you told me that are just magnificent in in theory. You know that if you can achieve some of these things that you were able to achieve. You know, again. I believe that all humans are, are not only capable of this, but that you are put on this earth, Dylan, specifically to tell us or show us how to achieve it. Hmm.
0: Well, I'll, I'll start with really uh, simple kind of day-to-day kind of uh, aspects of it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, meditation and times when you're doing, you know, energy work or breathing exercises If you get into the routine of it, in my experience, you start realizing that it's really the only rest you have. It's the only time you actually have rest. And, um, you know, it might be a little bit of a woo woo story, but, uh, the Yogi that I learned from whose picture is in the background of this camera, but I don't know if it's going to show up on the podcast camera, but Uh, I have a A little bit, I have a portrait of the guy. He was, he lived in the 1800s and, um, he's, uh, he, oh, wait, what was I, um, what was I going to say about him again? Um, well, he, like one of the stories that he would talk about in his journals was that during some times of his, uh, times where he was able to really focus on his practice, that he had days where he really didn't feel like sleeping, that he was able to just meditate throughout the night and then in the morning start going about his business. And so there was these times where he would kind of tell his wife, you know, don't worry about me you know, you go to sleep, I'll be in this room, you know, just don't bother me. And he would just go day to day like that. He would, you know, go, he would uh, spend his days uh, teaching people and just like entertaining people that visited him and taking care of kind of household chores. And then at night he would sit down in a room and meditate and go through his exercises. And then in the morning, get up and (laughs) do his business. And he, that was just how he existed and there is a there's, to... yeah and there is a a famous story that was in his uh journals that i'm not i'm not saying any of these things are true or not true these are just stories that one day his wife was kind of suspicious of him cuz she kind of thought like why is he saying you know don't bother me why is he saying not to come into his room and so one night she decided to go and you know peek in on his room while he, in the middle of the night. And supposedly she came in and saw him like not sitting on the floor. He was off the floor a little bit, like in his, in his meditation seat, not touching the floor. And she freaked out and started, you know, kind of having a breakdown about it. And he kind of had to tell her like, this is, you know, you don't understand what's going on. It's nothing bad, but just, this is why I told you not to, the point is, is that, um, I, I can't, I don't, I can't say I've had anything that dramatic, but my own experience with what I would say is the pinnacle of my practice was, uh, in my later twenties, I think I was around, um, I must've been around 26 or 27. I had, like like I was kind of mentioning, I had some time where I was able to really dedicate a lot of time to my practice. And just in the course of my, um, just a really regular um, routine of just doing maybe 10 minutes of a breathing exercise and then going into just meditating as long as I wanted to, Uh, I had the experience of kind of losing the feeling of the boundaries of my body. I guess is the best way I could put it. And also, um, my breath stopping. I during like is there's a in in certain stages when you do uh, like the exercises in Kriya Yoga, you can get to times where your breath slows down enough that it almost becomes, you know, imperceptible and you can have moments Mm. that you kind of enter a breathless state without feeling the need to need oxygen. And most of the time you can only feel it for a second or two before you kind of, uh, psych yourself out, so to speak. You know, you kind of, you know, you got to think, I wasn't, I wasn't breathing, You know, but there was, you know, but every once in a while, if you're, if you get comfortable in those states, you can kind of just let it go. And when I did that, I had a good, a good amount of time that I didn't take a breath because, you know, in meditation, uh, one of the reasons why uh, it's recommended you be sitting upright, you know, without being supported, you know, either in a chair or sitting on the floor on something is because meditation is meant to be something you have full attention to. You know, uh, like <laughs> in, in Buddhist ideas, you know, there's a saying that you need to be, you have to have the attitude of a warrior standing guard of a temple. It's not something that's meant to be, uh, you're relaxing. You know, that's why it's kind of, that's why it's so out there the idea that you would replace meditation with sleep because it's, not, it's exactly. not supposed to be something lax. It's not supposed to be something where, right. you know, you uh, originally the, the stretching that most people associate with yoga, the asanas, the poses, uh, the reason, the main uh, reason they use those was to prepare the body for long periods of staying still. You know, they're they're exercises that are meant to condition the body into being able to hold a sitting pose for a long time without causing discomfort. They're not or Ill. death, or you death. can
1: literally get a blood clot. Yeah, you can yeah. suffer a blood clot from that, and and that's another way to program your mind over matters. That's what. Thank you. Keep going. That's exactly what I was
0: talking. About. But yeah, and and not only that, but just uh, things that, like helping in circulation and the flow of you know different things in the body. But anyways, the point is um, that experience of losing the boundaries of your body and entering a state where there really isn't anything other than whatever consciousness is, whatever you know the original awareness is being able to go into that state is where it starts. That's like, that's when you actually get a taste of like, uh, those things that, you know, monks look for the things that, uh, people, uh, go into religious orders to find, you know, and, and when you, when you feel it, you, I mean, I've had, I've kind of, uh, experimented or tasted all different kinds of, practices and traditions. And it's, it's the same thing underneath it all. It's the same thing.
1: Yeah, I agree. And uh, that's why I brought up the levitating uh, being able to actually float and, you know, my kids, they attribute that to baby Yoda, you know how baby Yoda can float. <laughs> and, uh, and then I explained to them, you know, as a joke, you know, but as a, a serious you know, point of contention that, um, you know, that uh, I, I like to equivocate it to religious stories and Bible stories uh, just, you know, so they understand, you know, there's a higher consciousness. And and then I explain to them, you know, I tell them a story that I was told by a monk um, that is something that is very verboten in the Catholic church, but that is the, um the knowledge that Jesus went to India and that not only did Jesus travel to India, but that if you dig deep enough, you find out that you know there is a reason why he went there. And we're not going to get into it on this podcast, but the gist of it is that when I tell you everything's connected, it really is. And that it's all a matter of perspective and that oneself is the key to that perspective and being able to you know, achieve a peace inside you that, again, I've had to deal with some of the most horrendous things that anyone should ever have to deal with. Uh, And that's not including my marriage or lack thereof or ex. you know, and my, my ex-wife. But the point being is that, uh, you know, these things, these techniques that you, you know, that you had, uh, you know, told me so much about, I actually started to employ them in my life in a way that, again, most men would have broke a long time ago, but here I am still kicking, and uh, I have peace inside of me that nobody can take, and that you gave that to me in a way that, like I said, I can only ever appreciate now after going through what I went through and looking back on it and just Taking that moment to really reflect on how I handled it, and the way that I would have handled it differently had I not tried to, like I said, uh, employ these simple things. That again, down the line, these are going to be crucial for any of our uh, for any of our uh, our readers. They, you know, and any of our uh, our uh, viewers, they need to understand that. You know, when you start to read these things that are coming out in the media, they are designed to elicit a response. And when you give them that response, they win. Right? And that you are only your own worst enemy if you allow yourself to fall into these traps that are designed that way. Mm-hmm. And that, again, the way that you avoid these things, because, again, you know we're going to be talking about substantial matters that nobody wants to acknowledge. And that even though it may be difficult and it may offend some people because of their indoctrination that, you know, to be able to absorb both sides of an argument, you've got to be able to have peace inside and peace within and be able to deflect from a lot of these things. And so that you don't wear it on you in a way that, you know, stresses you out to where. It can affect your health, and mm-hmm. that is substantial in our business. What we're going to be doing, mm-hmm. you know, that stress is real. It's a killer, and that if you consume too much of it and do not combat it in a way, like you said, with physical exercise mm-hmm. alone, you know, that in and of itself is a great way to, uh, you know, to, to go about it. But you know, we're we're all susceptible to it, and the the topics that we're going to be uh, breaching here are definitely not for you know the the week mm-hmm. and uh and it's something that you you know are are an expert i believe in dylan just having you know put uh you know put yourself out there and taking the time to you know do what you did you know especially at a time when you know you were already facing backlash over simple things. We talked earlier in the pre-show about how, you know, you were just talking about some of the experiences involving, you know, uh, the the pandemic and the uh, the steps that were implemented afterwards, and how if you even mentioned those steps that were implemented, just just a personal account, nothing derogatory, nothing denigrating it whatsoever, just talking about it got you silenced mm-hmm. and so you know like i said we're here now you know it, we're going to be talking about things involving those steps that were implemented after the pandemic that have affected family members yeah you know and you know as well as i do people that have had been you know uh, affected by this and so these people are going to be in a position already of row, they're going to be hurt already from the things that they experienced from the loss of a loved one as a result of these steps that were taken after the pandemic and that to be able to get through to them and to be able to get them to understand you know that this was something that was so much more intricate you know like i said we have to be able to take them by the hand and not only show them the way but give them the tools so that they can handle this because again we're facing something that is designed to make you go crazy in and of itself the 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 design the the solution is baked into the problem by design to make you go crazy so that they can literally just discredit you knowing damn well that that's what they were doing in the first place so that we're talking about all the crazy people instead of the crazy things they did instead of the crazy things that they did to make these people crazy. And so, like I said, that's why I wanted to make this a big point of our show is that people need these tools in order to cope, you know, not only cope with what's going on, but to learn how to defend against it. And more importantly, to teach those around us how to defend against it so that they, too, are not susceptible to these very, very heavily researched uh, indoctrination techniques that are so obvious. Again, like I said, our military on every level is using techniques that we would employ on the enemy. They have now been redirected stateside to the public, you know, and that's in Canada, that is here in America, and it's something that's taking place internationally by design, and like I said, so I wanted, I, like I said, I wanted to thank you, and, and I also wanted to acknowledge the symmetry with this, that Again, you know, in order to do what we're about to do and in order for us to continue doing what we've already been doing, people need to understand this is how we do this, that this is how we're able to combat it. And, you know, and, and, and I'm not even getting into the orphanage story that me and you were working on during the pandemic that completely got blindsided because nobody wanted to talk about it. And it's really unfortunate that, you know, we had something that affected you so profoundly and so personally, you know. And here we were working on not only breaking it, you know, breaking a story that, you know, would have been, uh, you know, a a wake-up call for the rest of society that this is what we're about to experience. But then, like I said, for you to have to then attribute that to those steps that had taken place after the pandemic and how these correlation factors are not a coincidence. And that, you know, so I want you to, 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 if you could please enlighten us on uh, what had taken place, what had taken place to Native Americans there throughout Canada, uh, here in America. There was a, and this was literally the, the first iteration of industrialized trafficking on a scale that was just again and genocide on a scale that was just so atrocious that when me and Dylan first started talking about it again I believe honestly Dylan that there were a lot of things that transpired from those conversations we had that were intentionally set up as roadblocks to prevent you from telling your story so please if you could please tell us about the orphanage, uh, that you, I, I, I'm sorry, not just the orphanage. Uh, can you please tell us the story of your tribe? Okay. And then tell us the story of your people and what happened to them, uh, a century ago and how it was not only covered up, but that the Canadian government has blood on their hands and no pun intended with the blood tribe. Yeah. Please.
0: Yeah. So, um, even though it's been, it's been talked about a lot, you know, the history of, uh, how the federal government, you know, had kind of, um, a policy of eradication of native people, basically, uh, you know, the only way I could like to, I don't want to, you know, spend a lot of time on it, but there's uh, something else I want to get out at the end. But if you can imagine, you know, just, uh, basically a total war, on a certain lineage of people, you know, a certain genetic marking of a type of people that were designated as being uh, so much of a problem that they could only be integrated into the coming civilization by either uh, breeding, breeding with them and diluting the, the lineages or just flat out murder or uh psychological conditioning into uh kind of um an old school version of kind of mk ultra trauma-based conditioning or or using religion to as a vehicle for uh you know kind of replacement identities you know uh, things like making sure kids didn't speak the language they grew up with that they didn't use the names they were given given different names and using different languages uh, cutting their hair not being able to wear clothes you know everything everything that could be associated being removed from your families but anyways so that's the nice part of it that's the nice version of it the bad version that has been coming out over the years is that that was going on in addition to just flat out killing and abusing you know children and in you know on a mass scale or you or like you said using them for human trafficking but the thing right. that i want to bring up that wasn't talked about even when um the um kind of popular native american movement came out about i think it was Something about, you know, ki- you know, there was, something, there was some kind of big movement about be, uh, gaining awareness about missing uh, children and women in Native American communities. But what wasn't talked about were stories that I heard a long time ago, like maybe 10 years ago, about there being modern instances of mass graves being found. That were would be dated into just maybe like the early two thousands, and stories wow. of of there being uh, cover-ups from the RCMP and the federal police about mass graves found that were not very old, that were really recent. Though that's wow. the story that was never brought up ever. Because all the national attention out of the movements was all about things that happened in the 60s and the 70s. But I've heard stories of there being uh, graves found that were way, way modern, recent. Wow.
1: And that was, uh, do you think, the the cover-up of the cover-up story because you have to cover it in order to cover up a cover-up you need a cover-up story to fall back onto and so you told us the nice story then you told us the bad story but that bad story is the cover-up story for the real cover-up which is the modern genocide that had been taking place and that that's what they do it's in layers so Mm -hmm. that you don't grasp you know well surely they couldn't be lying about both not realizing that that was by design so that you don't realize it's what's known as a controlled demolition where you could it's a controlled demolition of the evidence to cover up the rest of the facts intentionally so that you're only talking about that and you would never ever consider that all of these things were you know orchestrated in a manner to make you think a specific way so you don't start questioning well well, how old's that mass grave over there? Oh, don't worry about that mass grave. You know, focus on this old mm. one right here. Be mad about that one. That, you know, that's what you need to be mad about. Mm. And they literally orientate the entire thought process with that indoctrination agenda to where you, again, you you don't even ask the most basic common sense questions. And that is where, you, that's how we, That's how me and you, when we talked before, like, this is how we break the, the deprogramming. Just by getting you to think rationally. And the only way I can bring it up is that and, and you know, the Trump supporters are really gonna hate me. But it's like I if you really think Trump's against the agenda, remind them, any Trump supporter of this. He's not only vaccinated, he's double boosted, and he enforced those same mandates that he claims to be against. He enforced those same mandates at his hotel and his restaurant. And so when you make them understand that, you know, and they go, oh whoa, well, he has no control okay well he did have control over the fact that the Clintons were at his last wedding and Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell were at his very first wedding so when you start bringing up those facts and people start really start asking common sense questions like well if those things are true how come I never heard of heard heard of that from the media and then you start to realize wow that same media that's pretending to hate them you know pretend pretending to hate him is actually protecting them and, that re- and then you go down that rabbit hole and you start to realize that all of these things that we are being fed, it's all a smokescreen designed to fall back on another smokescreen that they have waiting in the balance, just in case. And when that eventually erodes, you know, like I said, nobody questions the most basic fundamental aspects of these things. And then they just continue on, you know, and they don't really, really comprehend the overall picture because again you're, fra- you're 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 fragmented in your exposure by design that we call compartmentalization in the government where mm. they purposely compartmentalize everything so you can't put all the pieces together and that's how this is but by design with all of these major news networks you know they all have a little piece of the puzzle that they project and so you put that piece of the puzzle and then you go, and well, you go look at the other media and they got another piece of the puzzle that's perfectly tailored to the other piece you just got. And you don't even realize it, and you're like, oh, OK, yeah, yeah. And so that's the same thing with like Donald Trump when they point to, to Epstein's flight logs. And that's by design, you know, because you're looking at the media and you're going, well, the media, you know, they said that Trump flew on Epstein's planes twice, you know. And that's by design. So you're pointing and looking in this direction. So you don't ever question why that same media hasn't submitted an FFA, you know, submitted a FOIA request, which is an FOIA uh, Freedom of Information Act request. You question why that same media hasn't submitted a FOIA request for Donald Trump's FAA flight logs to see how many times Epstein flew on Trump's planes, knowing that he's had his own fleet of jets for half a century. And so you start to question these things and you start to realize like, wow, either I'm a I'm a Nobel, uh, you know, Nobel Prize, Pulitzer Prize winning journalist that asks questions that make me, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, more intelligent than, you know, journalists or you, they, like I said, and that's what most people start to, you know, get this inflated ego and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm smarter than all the journalists. And then. Once you realize that you don't know anything because they're purposely making you think this way. And it's like, wow, I thought I was smarter than them. But then it's a humbling moment because you realize that these people are so smart that they make you think you're smarter than them. And then you just, like I said, you acquiesce to the situation. It appeases you. And then, like I said, you literally are now malleable to be formed in any shape that they want to make you. And uh, and like I said, and it's really a disconcerting process to have to go through where you realize, you know, like I said, you think you're so smart. I'm smarter than all the journalists. Look, you know, I, I, I they're not asking these questions. I'm I i got to be smarter than them. And you realize that, like I said, that's why it is the way that it is. And uh, and that's where, like I said, we come into play. And uh, for me to understand your, you know, predicament that you were in during the pandemic. You know trying to come forward with these things like i said literally we're talking about the first iterations of human trafficking how it happened why it happened and the result in which you know our own governments have been conspiring with one another to literally whitewash history no pun intended you know and as a result people like you and me you know who know these things you know i i you know, want to make it a point, you know, like I said, that's why I wanted to come back to this story with you in the orphanage, because this is something that I believe we can predicate our charter on for nobody's news, because essentially those victims were nobodies in the eyes of the government. Those mm-hmm. victims were nobodies in the eyes of, you know, the people that claim they were there to protect them and help them. And that is, again, back to where you know, we come into play, you know, where it's our duty to speak up and speak out, you know, stand up and speak out for those that can no longer speak for themselves.
0: Yeah. Like, um, when there was so much attention in the news for uh, missing and murdered Indigenous people, um, you know, I, I kept thinking, you know, they don't disappear. I mean, there's this idea that they disappear and then, what, they go, they uh, it's it's just there's there's a whole step yeah there's a whole step in there that just is not acknowledged at all and i think like you were saying it's because of that gap there's a there's something about the relationship between native american people in north america with the government where if you could imagine it would be if you broke it down into person-to-person terms It would be like someone meeting someone and they spend years trying to murder them, almost succeeding every using every single resource at their disposal, completely overpowered, but also having a hard time killing them, (laughs) having like struggling to kill them. And then at some point stopping and saying, you know what, come here. Come here, come here, let, let bring it in. Let's let's uh, let's let bygones be bygones, but then like, you know, slowly injecting them with something, you know, you know, uh feeding oh, yeah. them something poisoned. And so right. I it's just it's that situation where native people have this uh relationship where they I'm just talking about the popular public face. Is that Trying to acquiesce to a force that was overpowering and trying to murder you, and it's being nice now, but at the same time it's saying, you know what, let's, like, I know just last week I kind of did something bad, but, oh, this is today, let's, I know there was bad stuff a long time ago, and there was something just last week,
1: but, yeah as they're literally deploying that same tactic worldwide now. And that is the beauty of this, is that nobody cared until it's in their backyard, where you and your, you know, like I said, your uh, your nation have been experiencing this on an industrial scale going back decades, you know, not decades, centuries, sorry, literally centuries, and, you know, to see these same things now being implemented against, everybody you know and and like i said nobody gave a shit then until it happened to them you know what i mean and now that it's happening to all of us on a you know biblical scale literally you know that was you know the thing with you explaining these things you know in such detail to me and just realizing that it's the same game. It's a different phase, but it's the same game, you know, and now, you know, like I said, now we're all peasants to them, you know, and we no longer serve a purpose for them. And so, unfortunately, we are to be discarded and we are to be treated no different than, you know, your nation. And it's appalling that, unfortunately, that white people will not understand any of this until it happens to them, you know, because like I said, that's how karma works, right?
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I haven't, um, I haven't spent any time in any other part of the world besides the U.S. and Canada. But uh, right now, it really seems like they're going through a process of trying to identify who's part of the program. You know, because uh, yeah. I think uh, the U.S. is different. I think the U.S. is a lot more. Uh, it's a lot harder to control, whereas Canada, because we're so has such a small population and we're so spread out, the federal government doesn't worry about us as much, you know, but, uh, I think there is just a process of trying to identify who's with the global program that they're trying to implement.
1: I agree. Absolutely. And that's, uh, that's only going to get worse too, and to under us, to, to underestimate them is going to be our greatest detriment, and that is their that is their goal is to, for us to continue to underestimate them, and that you know these actions that they've taken, you know, when I tell people that they're being poisoned, you know, with food, you know, all the FDA wouldn't allow that, and I laugh at them. I'm like, really? The CDC wouldn't let that happen, right? Really? <laughs> And that's what they don't grasp is that these things are by design, you know, that when me and you talk, talked about how uh, Subway bread to segue back to yoga, you know, to, to the Magic Yogi podcast. And I joked to you about we should do a, a podcast on yoga mats and how the chemical that they use to uh to uh, solidify yoga mats they found in Subway bread <laughs> you know the the it, it, you know it's a popular sandwich chain here in America and that why are we eating chemicals that they put in yoga mats you know and to grasp how that is just one you know one microcosm of how we're being poisoned the way that we are being uh you know poisoned slowly to literally uh, fulfill this depopulation agenda that they they all know is you know designed to not only depopulate the world but again it's it's something that they use our ignorance and have weaponized it against us and to go back to your heritage again like you said they forced you to abandon your heritage your way of life the way you, you know that you produce your food the way that you feed your families the way that you tend to your land and and again doing that is poisoning you and it's a it's a, a systematic form of genocide and now again it's happening on an industrial scale to you know to, to to white people and now they really want to take notice they didn't give a shit that it happened you know that's been happening
0: yeah and you know uh, just to just kind of bring it back to base level the ultimate thing that that system doesn't want people to know is how much control they have over their world, their individual world. And, you know, it's hard for me to talk about that because I, um, I feel like I, I don't have a right to speak on that because I have, I've been pretty fortunate in that I have the opportunity to live my life more independently than most people you know i have the ability to uh, create value and sustain myself outside of the system i mean i spent i spent years in my 20s with no bank account (laughs) with just kind of living you know living the way that uh i don't know just kind of uh, making my way on my own power but Nowadays, I'm a lot more responsible about bookkeeping and such. But anyways, my, my point is, is that people have so much control over their universe. And everything in our modern world is trying to convince people they don't have that control.
1: Amen. That is outstanding. I couldn't have put it better myself. If that if that doesn't wrap up a podcast, I don't know what does. <laughs> Shit, that was beautiful. Uh, how and this is you know, something that to go back to uh, something you had said at the very beginning of the podcast uh, with with everything um, that you have going on and you know how we're looking to get people's voices out there. Uh, can you? explain to them you know the uh the prerequisites that we would like uh to uh, you know to adhere to just so that we kind of can formulate a system you know because we're going to have they like I said i anticipate we're going to have a lot of people that are going to want to submit uh, things that they've written you know and and, and to, to be published and we are starting something that is very novice you know it's uh it's uh it, it's unheard of for someone you know to give the power back to the people the way that you essentially are and so uh i want to highlight that fact so that you one can mitigate how busy (laughs) you are (laughs) uh and so uh please expound upon what you would like uh you know i don't know if it's something as simple as you know if you want to set the parameters for the next podcast and, you know, you know, and, and start small or, you know, it's up to you as far as, you know, the website and what wants to be submitted, you know, what you mm-hmm. would like to publish on there. Like I said, I I think I think, uh, I, I think uh, that's probably going to be the hazy area for everyone when it comes to this is that, you know, uh, that I want you and I want you to be able to brag about yourself and, you know, and talk about how. You know, these the, the, this idea was was contrived with the notion that you know there are people that will wanna you know have their voices heard and will wanna be published. So please uh, expound upon this so you can you know mitigate how much work you got to do because I know you're already busy enough as it is.
0: Yeah, I well, <clears throat> I I don't really worry too much about uh, you know my. Workload with editing because I'm really quickly whenever someone sends me something I can tell right away whether it's going to be on the site just because uh, even though yeah. I didn't uh, I don't have a degree but I did go to school as an English major and you know writing is kind of my main uh, my main mode of communication and work and <laughs> so um, really my prerequisite is just that people have a good grasp of whatever language they're using. That's the best way I could put that is that if you have something you're trying to say, whether it's an artistic vision or purely an informational uh, subject, all I ask people is just be clear. Just be clear. That's all because it just I don't I'm not a stickler for grammar. And, you know, I, it, I, I take it on myself. I'll clean up, you know, little punctuation things. I I take a look at stuff before I put it on the site, but yeah, I'm really flexible with the way people write, you know, I'll, I'll change things, yeah. you know, it, things have to be in a really kind of, um, I want things to be in a clean format once I put them up. But other than that, just be clear in what you're saying, you know, we're not, um, you know things I put up on the site. I want them to be concise. That's the best way to put it. So, and uh, yep. don't don't worry about being current or about anything about uh, whether people be interested. Just leave that to us. You know, it's we'll make <laughs> decisions and and don't feel bad if I say you know maybe that one's not going to be right for now and uh, maybe in the future you know it could be there could be a time where something is, uh, you know, more, you know, fitting with the times, but just, yeah, just don't be offended if you get rejected. It's not, we're just trying to, the site's really supposed to just be, um, tapping into the collective unconsciousness.
1: Definitely. Good deal. Yeah. I, uh, I had tried to make it a point when I was describing this to everyone, you know, how, you know, how we had, uh, how we had discussed, you know, contributions. Cause I, you know, I, I want people to definitely write in and, uh, and, you know, to, to not be afraid, you know, of that, that stigma. And, you know, just me personally knowing from publishing on, you know, on GLP and understanding the beatings we take on there, you know what I mean? That it, it takes courage to do these things and we get that. And, This will allow people to be able to do that without the bots coming at them, without the shills coming at them, you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. so that in and of itself to me is priceless, brother. And for you to give people that ability in and of itself just shows you what kind of man you are. And like I said, I believe that this is something that, again, I believe news media is dead. I believe that, you know, the early iterations of media, you know, whether you, say it's all gonna go digital, you know, when me and you started talking about the you know when you start talking about publish publishing the newspaper, you know, and I you know, the idea of actually publishing a newspaper where people can just contribute to the articles, you know, and either add on to the articles, you know, we can literally create a team just on one article, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and to have that premise be something that will revolutionize, you know, revolutionize not only social media but news media that We will be able to claim, you know, to be the pioneers of something that I feel will that that I feel is already a vacuum that's already been created. And so, you know, you as well as I know that, you know, when it comes to like reading articles and seeing all the comments that people would make on these articles, you know, I know people that, you know, would go through all of these comments, thousands of comments, you know, just to find one comment to comment, you know, comment on. And they would write an article about, you know what I mean? And so to be able to take that premise, you know, and extrapolate it on a whole nother level is, you know, where I think social media and news media are ultimately gonna go. And you are literally the pioneer creating that foundation right now before it's even a thing. And I like I said, I I I will give props where props are due. And uh, and like I said, to to be able to make a newspaper with this premise, you know, uh, you know, like I said, I know, you know, that it's far off in the in the distance, you know, and it it could be something that, you know, down the line, uh, you know, like I said, it can literally bring back media in a way to where, you know, like I said, what we what would be considered a, a dying you know, uh, a vehicle for news, you not only saw an opportunity, but then you, you know, you, you manicured it and took it, you know, took an idea to to another level where, like I said, I, I like to call it a co-op, you know, like, it's more like a co-op website or like a co-op newspaper, you know, that's just that idea that, you know, that nobody's in control. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Hey, we gotta like it, like it, that, (laughs) hey, that we can go with that. Nobody's in control with nobody's news, you know, and that essentially, you know, that, uh, you know, to make it, you know, a consensus consensus forum to where, you know, we know that we're hearing all sides of the story and that it's not being silenced or censored in any way, uh, you know, and you have taken that step now to make it a point to take on that workload that you wouldn't need to necessarily ever have to take on, you know, other than with the best of intentions, because you're already busy enough as it is. And so I wanted that's, you know, that that is the takeaway I want from that little tangent that I just had is that you literally are complicating your life voluntarily and that I commend you for that because most people would not even care long enough to entertain someone else's vision, let alone dedicate so much that you have already to making that vision a reality. And like I said, brother, you have a you have a brother for life because <laughs> of these things, and that I can promise you that there are many more just like me that will appreciate these things that you've done. And uh, and I look forward to spending an enter- uh, spending an eternity paying you back, brother.
0: Oh, no, thanks a lot. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I've kind of tried to, you know, i I don't really have my identity attached too much to the website and what we're doing, even though I'm open with myself in what I do with like talking on the podcast or putting my own writings up on the site, but I just want to say that if anyone does uh, have anything posted on the website uh, on the news and writing page, I think I call it news and notes. um, It's not, it's not going to be an unlimited list. It's not going to be just a forever list. There's eventually going to be a limit on how many articles we uh, put on the page, but, if you do get featured on the site, you'll be up there for at least a month, at least a month, you know, depending on how many we get, that's about how long, but we never delete anything. You know, there's never, especially with like podcasts or writing, I don't delete any of people's work or things. It's something where, you know, the, the website is just a showcase. That's one of the reasons too, why I don't, I didn't want there to be comments on anything, you know, like a comment section, because um, <clears throat> I feel like once someone has something on the site, an article or some kind of piece of work, uh, people should just view it, appreciate it. If they have comments, they can talk about it somewhere else. It's—it's. It's, I really want people to be able to have a space where they just focus on what was put up.